All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Bootstrap Experience podcast, where Jack and I try and catch up as often as possible to chat about our Shopify apps. Hey, Ben. Good. Yeah, it's been a little while. I just got back from my uh, post-vaccine vacation. So got to travel for the first time in a year and a half. That's been uh, awesome. Yeah, lucky you. Where'd you go? <laughs> Mexico. Just laid on a beach for a week. It was great. Yeah, that sounds great. Nice. Yeah, it's so cool too, like having the team now. Like it was the most disconnected I've been in forever, like years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were you able so, to like almost fully switch off or? Yeah, pretty much. I guess my workaholism clicked in a little bit. I did check in once or twice, but for the most part, it was uh, yeah. just total disconnection. It was great. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I, yeah. I could definitely uh, use one of those breaks as well. <laughs> I can feel the more that the sun starts coming out here in Denmark as well, the more I'm sort of trying to find excuses to sit out on the terrace or go somewhere out for lunch with my wife or whatever, right? It's the whole just getting away from work yeah, for a little for sure. while. Yeah. yeah, I found like the thing I've missed kind of most with everything going on is just like every three months or so, I kind of like, I don't know, I guess I work too hard or something when normally and I get a little burnt out. So like every like three years or so months, I like to like take a nice, you know, week somewhere or something like that and just decompress and so yeah not having done that until now has been like there's definitely a huge difference since i got back like i could tell like a day or two before we came back i'm like itching to get back to work like i got all these things <laughs> i want to work on and you know yeah do you find that you it lets you sort of reset your mind as well to then sort of how would you say group some of the thoughts that you maybe haven't had time to think through like do you use that time to how to say more like crystallize different ideas and things yeah, not on purpose, but I guess my mind just goes there. Yeah. So yeah, kind of the big thing I figured out that I've started working on this week, I'm pretty excited about is Translate CI. Still going. One of these days it's going to launch. Um, I'm actually, <laughs> you know, it's funny that like going away and coming back, like I'm much closer than I was. But the thing I realized, and I think I mentioned here, moving to Europe uh, at the end of this year, Stripe is not probably a great choice for this because I don't you guys and your taxes are all super weird. Uh, right, yeah. So I'm switching everything over to Paddle before I launch. And Paddle is awesome. Oh my God. It took me like weeks to figure out Stripe. And I'm basically up and running with Paddle in a day or two. So oh, wow. I'm super happy with them, yeah. And they handle all the calculation of tax. Because it's about, yeah. like, if you're selling digital goods, you have to tax them in the rate of the receiving country, right? And not your country. Right. And it looked so complicated to me. And then, so Paddle does what Shopify does, actually, which is one of the things that first attracted me to Shopify is they're the merchant of record. You're selling to Shopify, Shopify selling to end users. And that's what Paddle does. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I know Apple does the same thing in their app store. Yeah. Yeah. It so simplifies nice. things so much. Like, and I've, it's one of those things that I had to, or I wanted to double check multiple times with different accountants as well, because it's just such a, a core thing. Like, should I be charging taxes or is Shopify the merchant of record? And yeah, they've all sort of come back saying, no, it's Shopify. Apple does the same thing. So then obviously we don't have to worry about our VAT here in Denmark, at least, which is like 25%. Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty ignorant of that stuff in general. And like, as a developer, I just, I don't want to learn it. So I'm happily like they charge about double what Stripe does for fees, but I'm fine with that if I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I'd prefer to give up a, a percentage than to try and build something out that handles that. That's, yeah. yeah, it's a maintenance nightmare as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Yeah, it feels like a long time since we spoke, but mainly focusing on like rolling out the new brand. We gave a little, or my wife posted sort of a little sneak peek on Twitter 
uh, last oh, week. I saw that. It was. Yeah. And just sort of rolling out these colors and getting that, how to say, we did a quick once over on the website to make sure that once we start rolling out new emails and new icons in the app store and so forth, it doesn't look like way off from our website without having to do the full website redesign. So we quickly sort of updated the the logo and new hero image, which <laughs> is a big smiling picture of me. But um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, but it, I didn't choose it. My wife thought I, you know, I looked friendly. So I think that worked <laughs> with the new, the new vibes. And then, yeah, so we've been designing new emails. So she did the sort of design and now I've been coding them up as well. And that was pretty cool. Like I, I have, well, the idea is that we have this sort of uniform look through all of our apps or the brand for each of the apps, but each one has sort of different logo, different colors. Yeah. And just trying to make that easy to maintain when you run like four apps and then I've got the partner program and I want to roll the same out thing out for the partner metrics. And I started using something called uh, Jekyll. I'm not sure if you've run across yeah, it. Yeah, I have used that before for like landing pages. Yeah. And it's like super old, but it worked great for doing these email template designs because you can sort of set up a layout and then you have these different Normally, it would be a post, so it's like a blogging platform, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a layout, and then each post has some front matter, they call it, but it's just basically some attributes. So you can say, this particular email is for which brand? And then based on what brand, it automatically pulls in the right logo. So I've got 10 emails that all work off one base template, basically. And all it does is insert different attributes each time. So it knows, ah, if it's the orderly emails brand, I should use this logo, I should use this color, and it just uses Liquid to insert that into the layout. Nice. Yeah, and it worked out really nicely. So, because I was sort of fearing I'll end up with like 15 email templates that I need to manage and try and maintain. And if you're doing each of those individually, you, you, you basically give up trying to fix bugs or not bugs, sure. but like small things that you say, hey, I'd like to change this. And now it's just change it one place, run the build tool, and then it spits out all these you know 15 email templates and I can just copy them over into Intercom. So that was cool. It was the first time I've, I've used Jekyll and it's been around for years and years, but it was cool to see how it actually works because I've never used it before. Yeah, I use it for the Translate CI homepage, actually. And I just threw that up on Netlify just because it's yeah. so fast, like so easy to get up and running with something decent looking with it. Like, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, exactly. I think these little static site generators, and I guess there's some newer, sexier ones. Yeah. But because I was doing HTML email, I wanted it to be as simple as possible. I don't need Webpack or I can't use JavaScript in an email. Um, right. Yeah, everything sort of needs to be in line or whatever. So it turned out to be a pretty cool little little project to do on the side and, and learn something new. Nice. Yeah, and it also means that I can tweak things now without having to go, oh, this is going to take me all day just to, to <laughs> update the email templates. Yeah, emails are scary to me. Just there's such a, the HTML is so weird for them. I end up not, yeah. I find I have one template I've used that's just built into Laravel forever and I don't think I've ever changed it. I'm scared to. Yeah. And I think it's its own little language, I guess. Like you need to know all these different quirks. And because I've built orderly emails and that does all this email templating stuff, I guess I've sort of worked out what to look out for. So, you know, running everything through Litmus, which is like an email testing tool once right. you've built them out. But there's like, yeah, weird things. But the cool part is also that you, I've learned how I can include like a Google font for the email clients that support them. So I can have a font that looks pretty much, or actually a custom font. It doesn't have to be a Google font. So we're using a Gotham. But how I can include that and then gracefully fall back to a more web-safe font for the email clients that don't support it. Awesome. Yeah, and one of the funny sort of email quirks is that if Outlook doesn't recognize a font, it will just force everything in the email to be Times New Roman. <laughs> so if you put like a CSS declaration saying Gotham 
comma, Arial sans serif, right? Then because it doesn't know what Gotham is, it just gives up and says, right, I'm using Times New Roman. Oh, funny. Uh, and that's kind of like, I mean, I'm not a font guy, but that's sort of like the least cool font, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's the fallback for a lot of stuff, but yeah, it, I guess it's like the word default uh, font, I think. Okay. They used to use the word rendering engine in Outlook, but uh, anyway. That's getting into the weeds, but that's what I've been up to. And then, nice. yeah, what else have we been working on? We've been working on quite a few things, I think. Uh, we got into the event bridge stuff. Oh, how's that going? Yeah, good. Arjun did all the hard work and I just watched and had opinions. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, so we got it set up quite nicely, actually. We were sort of struggling to explain what it did last time we talked, but now I've got a much better idea. And it just allows you to sort of bypass having to have a gateway and the whole Lambda functions in AWS to receive them. And it's like an endpoint that accepts webhooks from Shopify and automatically like authenticates that it is Shopify sending it mm-hmm. to them. And then at the same time, you can add some filters onto the payloads that are incoming or into these messages. So you can say, I want all messages or yeah, all events that are passed across that you know have this prefix on the topic or this suffix on the topic to go into this particular SQS queue. So it's, you can sort of filter them to go into different queues depending on attributes that, that are coming in. Okay, so it doesn't stay on a queue that you're grabbing from, it just automatically moves to your SQS queue? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I it, think I was a little confused so it, about that. It's like in it's in front of your SQS queues. Gotcha. Yeah, and then you can set up rules to say which queue it should go into. Yeah, I probably need to get set up with that soon because I think I pay quite a lot of money for the gateway just to handle the webhooks. And it yeah. like, so you're not paying for that anymore then? I wasn't using anything else before that. So okay. yeah, I've Tough used very little on webhooks. So I can't really say like real world usage so far. But for our app, we also needed a way to easily consume these SQS queues, right? And mm-hmm. there's a cool drop-in replacement for something called Sidekick, which we usually use in the Ruby world for processing background jobs. And there's something called Shoryuken. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the old Street Fighter. Oh, uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's like a drop-in replacement for Sidekick, which instead of looking at a, a Redis uh, instance, it's, it looks at your SQS queues. So it automatically connects to the right queue or you tell it which queues to watch and it'll grab messages from those queues and then process them in the app. Yeah, and that that part was a bit tougher to sort of get working or to get my head around and how best to handle it because you have to tell it which queue to process and Mm -hmm. each webhook, you might want to put them into different queues. You might want to put them into, you know, like it's not quite as easy as, as just dumping something into Redis and then consuming it all. But I think once we, how would you say, once we get everything start receiving some real webhooks, I think it'll be much easier to work out, right, what's the best way to sort of connect this all up? Yeah. You know, how many SQS queues should we have and so forth? That's always the scary part is just like, and that's kind of the other reason I've been avoiding this is I just don't want to get in any situation where I make the big switch and start dropping webhooks or something. It's such a vital thing for my app. Yeah, exactly. And this whole background job, because you're picking something off the SQS queue, you pick it off, but it doesn't remove it until you tell it, hey, release this one, right? Hmm. So if something fails, it won't be gone from the queue yet. That's good. Yeah. So you have to sort of delete the message once you've processed it. At least if something breaks, you want to make sure you don't delete right. it because then it will automatically come again. But yeah, I'm interested to see how the performance will be in the end, actually, because there's, how would you say, a network trip going on every time you want to check one of these queues. Right. You got to go to an SQS to get what are the messages and so forth. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. But I guess, I mean, because I think the way we're set up now, like when 
when it hits the gateway, I mean, it's the same gateway that like the rest of the web app runs on. So I would imagine it's probably similar or same cost. Yeah, I'd imagine it's, or at least we, you can choose which region the SQS queue is in, like everything on AWS, right? Yeah. But then make it for us because you know, either we'll end up on Heroku like we've done with all the other apps or we'll pick something else. But just making sure that they're in the same region will be a big thing, both for cost, because you don't pay when transfer is done internally, right? Mm-hmm. Or just like the speed of accessing that system. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cool though. I, I think I finally need to get into it soon. <laughs> yeah. It was just, AWS just scares me in general, right? So I was, I was pretty happy I had somebody else to sort of get in there and set everything up and then show me how he'd set everything up. And then we could sort of talk about what's the right way to, you know, do these queues and stuff. But I think it, it feels like simpler than webhooks or much more scalable than just trying to, to find a way. So how's things going with your stuff? Have you had a chance to get anything done? Yeah, you know, we had actually a really interesting thing going on the last like month or so. I think I can talk about it here. If not, then uh, we'll let it out. But basically, <laughs> over the last like four or five weeks, we've gotten a number of one-star reviews. And they were like, I would look and it'd be someone that didn't, you know, they'd maybe install the app for five or 10 minutes. Their store wasn't really like they had zero sales on the store. And then like a day or two after the app, after they left the review, and they resist all efforts for us to contact them. And then the store would shut down and just be gone. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then someone reached out to us that runs another A-B testing app and says, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but every single A-B testing app on the store is getting these one-star reviews from the same shops about once a week. Whoa. And yeah. So yeah, I looked and it wasn't like they'd hit like five or six kind of apps in the A-B testing space. Not all of them every time, but okay. we got hit it was three or four times, which was sort of the, the highest number. You, you received like three or four negative reviews yeah. like from different stores Yeah, on all of the different A-B testing apps. Well, yeah. Not all of them, but a large, large enough number. Yeah, and I think it's probably because uh, Need A-B testing has the most reviews. Like We got hit by every single one, whereas the others got hit like once or twice. But you could still see like there was definitely... And even some of the same lines, were, like it looked like they copy-pasted some of the same lines between the reviews from different stores and stuff. Okay, um, without making them 100% the same. Yeah, and then they would leave like a couple five-star reviews on the same app every time. Um, there was not an A-B testing app, I should mention. Hmm. Yeah, just weird. That seems strange. So how do you go about, you know, because it sounds like somebody is doing a targeted attack of some sort, right? Seems that way, yeah. And so like we talked, it was kind of funny, like I got to talk to all my competitors basically, which I hadn't uh, ever done. So it was actually kind of interesting because everyone's like, what do we do? Like this happening to all of us. So we had this like good email chain going for us trying to work it out. And everyone kind of complained to Shopify, you know, called in, this kind of stuff. And... We kind of got the same response every time that was just, well, they didn't use profanity in the review. We don't really investigate reviews. So, oh, wow. yeah, like you can respond if you want, but they're going to stand, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we got that for a couple weeks. And then one Were of you the apps. see like how, what type of store this was? Like, was it a real store or was it just a. Like, had they been generating real orders? I guess you can't really tell if they're real or not, but did they have orders in the system? And No, they didn't have yeah. orders. Yeah, and they just seem to be kind of like generic dropshipping stores. Okay. So yeah, 
basically after like a week or two, one of the guys kind of started pinging him on Twitter and got a little more public with it. And eventually I think, cause I was just calling him every like three days. Oh, saying, wow. Look, you guys, yeah. please like you got, like, if you look at this, you'll see this is messed up. Like, right. I, I think I get it. Like I think their policy is basically not to police reviews unless they break very specific guidelines. Cause I understand like they're not in the business. of. Like, it's a slippery slope, right? It is. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you start saying, Oh, this is unfair. Yeah. Right. And I think, like, what's the stop if I get a one star, like a legit one star review being like, oh, this is fake. Can you guys take this down? You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and should they spend time and with the number of apps that there are in the, the app store, it's kind of impossible for them to assign resources to something like that. Yeah. But finally, you know, we got it escalated. And after a couple of days, it came back and, you know, they don't really tell you anything. But they just said we've removed all the negative reviews. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that was good. That was like last Friday That's or good. something. Yeah. Okay, happy ending. Yeah. I remember seeing something on Twitter regarding that and just going, hmm, it just, it's kind of scary though, right? Because, you know, you guys had to be really vocal about it, really persistent. You know, it sounds like a, scarily enough, a, a viable tactic, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is what's scary because our installs dropped by 70% while this was going on. Yeah. Up. Whoa. Yeah. Like huge drop. Yeah. It messes you up with your rankings and everything else as well, right? Yep, that too. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah now we're just recovering. And, um, okay. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what a good answer to it is. I mean... No. And there's not like one A-B testing app that just wasn't targeted. No, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, because you go, hey, you guys, <laughs> what are right. you up to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. No, I don't think it was that. I, I really and you weren't know. able to do any, I guess, IP. You know, you never know anything about like an IP address or anything like that. Yeah. No. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, we didn't have to get into all that because Shopify eventually kind of fixed the situation. But um, yeah, I'm really happy they did. But yeah, like, I mean, you can respond to the reviews. That's the problem. And we kind of did and said, hey, look, these don't look legitimate. Here's kind of what we found. More like, this is, you know, we think these are fake and here's why. And that's great because that didn't, like, I don't think that. I think anyone that read that would be understanding, but I think a lot of people just saw like, because we dropped from a 4.8 rating to a 3.8 at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in like Shopify app territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but that, and it's demoralizing at the same time, right? Yeah. Uh, for the whole team, you're working hard to do something, trying to make something good. And yeah, not only is it bad for business, but yeah, that's a weird story. Yeah, it was weird. The kind of the cool thing about it, though, was like, you know, we talked to our customers, some of them that, you know, we have good relationships with and just said, hey, would you mind writing a review? That's all we really said. And uh, we actually got like a lot of new reviews out of it, which was nice, yeah. like good reviews. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So people were willing to sort of back you up. and I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Huh, that's cool. Been working on our review emails, uh, like the sort of pitch for for getting reviews, mm. but it's just hard. Like my new tactic is to sort of, to offer them help. Usually when you send one of these out, it's like, Hey, we've, you know, thanks so much for using our app. Would you mind leaving a review or whatever? Right. And that's kind of getting straight to the point. Now we're sort of changing tactics and sort of going more, Hey, if there's anything you need, we're always, you know, and sort of saying, Hey, our support is available 24 seven, 365 days a year. And they'd love to hear from you if you have any questions. And then having, by the way, if you'd like to, you know, or yeah, 
we'd appreciate. Oh, how is it wording? It's not asking for a positive review, is what I'm trying to say. But, right, um, right, we, right. Sort of ask, we ask for you know for them to leave a review if they want to, sort of thing. But just making it like less the main call to action. So it's more like saying reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, thanks so much for sticking with us." And you know, if you do need anything, you can get in contact with us with these ones. And then dropping the the ask for the review sort of as a secondary thing in that email instead of making it like the primary thing. But I've only just put the flow live today, so I I don't have anything to say if it's better or not. We're just yeah, trying. So tough. Yeah, because, you know, it's always been after support that you get reviews, right? I had this thing when I had the free app. I had a free app that was sort of a lead gen for need A-B testing for a while. And when I was trying to generate reviews, I just did this dumb thing in it that worked really well <laughs> where I just put like a little button somewhere. I said like, do something awesome or something like that. And it just up like a modal with a picture of my cat i mean it was just kind of wacky <laughs> i said hey please review you know and like it was just kind of like a random friendly thing and like it had like a 10 percent review rate from that modal wow yeah and then i tried it in need a b testing recently zero like didn't zero. Uh, yeah. yeah no one no one even clicked it so <laughs> <laughs> i have to say i thought i thought maybe i had the magic formula there but i guess not. yeah did you tone it down in some way or a little bit not too much yeah because I'm wondering if it has to be, it has to fit the personality of the app in a sense, maybe. I think you know, that's maybe. definitely part of it. Yeah. Like, I think need AB testing is maybe a little more serious. So you don't want to, like, it's just kind of incongruent. Out of place. Yeah, yeah. 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 Getting reviews is the hardest one. But actually, the I'm super happy because the support heroes that do the support for my apps, they've been really good at, like, making sure to ask at the right times and getting a lot of reviews where they mention, you know, the support that they've got by these these guys and girls right. That's great. it's just fun to you know as somebody on the outside or the, how would you say like for me giving good support is super important like it's one of the things that i've sort of prided myself on over the years doing doing it all myself and so giving that up to another team is kind of scary like are they, they going to do it just as well as i am or, or i was as and not to say that i was doing it better than anyone but just at least it was working you know yeah yeah um, and yeah, and I've just been so, it's so nice to be happily surprised by things, you know? And I'd say that they probably, their review rate is higher than mine also because they're much faster at getting back, you know, somebody's always there. Whereas when I was doing the service myself, it was like, you know, I'd do it in the morning and maybe in the afternoon, every day sort of thing. Right. But you you know, if you sent something outside of those hours, unless an app was on fire, you'd get a reply the next morning sort of thing. So I think just them getting back to people a lot quicker has been a good indicator that, you know, faster service also does lead to more reviews and happier experiences, I think, for customers. Yeah, that actually reminds me. Have you ever looked into the Shopify Plus app store? Yeah, the accreditation or... or yeah, that? that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And I've been looking into that a little bit. That one kind of scary thing is like they require like a 30-minute response time Whoa. for customer queries. Yeah. Looks yeah. like it could be good. I don't know. I think it. for an app like apps like yours... That does make sense, you know, where yeah. you are more catering to or looking to go into more of an enterprisey yeah. sort of style business and you can charge more. I think for the pricing models that I've chosen for my apps, it's not worth it. That makes um, sense, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would for like orderly print or something, but for the one-time purchase apps, and that just doesn't make sense. But yeah, I think, yeah, if your pricing model supports it, I think it might be interesting. But there's a fee involved as well, right? You have to actually pay to get it listed. Yeah, I believe it's 15000 US. For a year? So, yeah, for a year. So it's not cheap, that's for sure. Yeah. 
And I guess that's sort of maybe a gatekeeper, right? They only want the serious players. Right, which, yeah, makes sense. I mean, because you can look at that app store and it looks like there's only about 50 apps on it. So it would be nice. I mean, I don't know how much they do to promote that, but it would be nice to be in a store of 50 versus 6,000 or whatever it is right now. Yeah, I'm sure it makes total sense like for the apps that are in there. Yeah, just, because just about every app in there you've heard of. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that you have like uh, leaders in each of the categories, I guess. And these are the guys that are in that right. plus category as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have any experience with it myself, but I'd say for your stuff, it would make a lot of sense. I feel like it kind of does. Yeah, I'll have to think about yeah. it. Huh. That's cool. I just Yeah, the whole like 30-minute response time, like there's definitely like some sort of structural changes we'll need to make to meet all the requirements. But yeah, there, it's all stuff that would be good to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure like an automated response isn't counted. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, thanks for your message. We'll get back to you shortly. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Did you see the new App Store design that was like out for a week? Oh, more? is it gone now? I hadn't, I, you know, I saw it before I left for vacation and then I didn't, I haven't checked this since I've been back. Yeah, I was just uh, testing a new logo for one of my apps in the App Store. And it was back to the the old style again. Yeah. I actually really liked the new style just because I like that it emphasized the explainer video because I'm just a big fan of those for the apps. Yeah. My only complaint was that it gave so much screen real estate to the ads that yeah. it was hard to, like, I feel like it took the value of like organic rankings down. Yeah. But still, I mean, I, I liked it overall. What, what would you think? The same. Like to begin with, I think I always get scared when things like this roll out. I think, oh no. It, you know, this is the thing that's going to kill me. But uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> in the end, it actually worked out that during that week, I had a lot more installs than I normally would. Like, I'd almost say double, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think it's because we, or at least in the categories that I'm in, I'm ranked pretty well, generally in the top three. And then also, I do buy ads. <laughs> so I right. think they were proving to be quite fruitful during that time. And I, I like the design as well. Like you're saying, it gives more context and, and you don't have to jump in and out to get a quick overview of what an app does. Yeah. Did you notice like your click-through rate to the app page went down at all or anything? I, I didn't check for mine. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I just noticed the overall uptick in users and sales for the one-time ones went up. Yeah. And then we started to sort of consider, right, how are we going to make the most of these screenshots that are now being surfaced on the... Yeah, I had that thought. Yeah. Too, so like my screenshots aren't that great. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember years ago, I put a lot of time into doing screenshots for a couple of the apps really well and less screenshot and more, you know, like when you're swiping an app in the, in the Apple App Store or Google Play or whatever, where it's a lot of words like headlines and then some type of image. Right. Um, and the, they did really well. And then I've sort of gone away from it just because the app design has changed and I couldn't find the PSD file that I originally used or whatever, right? So then it went more back to being more screenshotty than they had been. And to be honest, the old way, I think, worked really well. At least when I implemented them originally, you saw a good uptick in in uh, installation rates and so forth. So I think spending time in creating less, hey, look at my app user interface and more, hey, look at the benefits of my app and I'll highlight those by zooming in on a particular part of my app and having a really catchy title, right? Yeah, I think that was that would be what time well spent. Yeah, so now I'm sort of right, because there's supposed to be screenshots in the App Store listing, right? 
that's kind of what it says. Yeah, and I think they might even say, if I recall, or at least maybe used to say, like, not to have text on there, but everyone does. Yeah, I can't remember, to be honest. I'd have to have another look. But yeah, I remember it being like, don't make these a bunch of banner ads sort of thing, right? Right. Yeah, and because there's also a section to upload, like, mobile images. So it should be showing your app off in the Shopify mobile app because you can both upload desktop images and mobile-optimized images. So they're kind of weird if you're going to have like a banner-style image. Yeah, anyway, but I'd imagine they're just testing something out to see how the traffic looks if they do it that way and which where people click, and then hopefully we'll get a bit more information about the change. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they just launched it 100% or whatever, just because like, I remember the last time they did like an app store redesign, it was like a year, year and a half of them constantly trying to get everyone ready for it. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that time though, it was a more radical redesign in the information that you could actually add. So yeah. there's a lot more information now that we can provide into the app store listing. Whereas this change felt more a redesign of the actual display of that listing information that we've added. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see, I guess. I mean, I like it. I wouldn't be opposed to it, I think. Yeah. Did you see any kind of difference in, or maybe you were on vacation that week? Yeah. You know, I, to be fair, I think when it rolled out, I was like already in vacation mode. I think it was like the day before I left. And then I haven't looked at it since I've been back. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even realize they rolled it back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I only just uh, saw it today and that was kind of out of chance. Yeah. But I saw quite some good, interesting sort of conversations on the Shopify developers Facebook group as well. One guy had actually done like a mock-up saying, hey, I'd love to see like, yeah, like the new layout, if we could just sort of do it this way and did a really cool mock-up of how it could look if they just changed some small things. It looked really nice. So hopefully they're sort of, you know, trying different things and taking feedback or whatever. Yeah, you know what I would love to see, and this is just, uh, especially with a design like that, is giving us more control over the ads. Yeah, since you can only have sort of one ad and it's auto-generated by Shopify. Like, I would love... So, A-B testing, need A-B testing is great when you know you want A-B testing, but I'd love to be able to, like, adjust a little bit when we're bidding for, like, optimization-type keywords and things like that to yeah. show how A-B testing helps with that. Yeah, definitely. Like, doing a more, like, uh, Google AdWords, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, being able to customize the text based on what the person's searching. That would be awesome. I feel yeah. like we could probably do a lot better with the ads if that were available. Yeah, I think so too. But I think a lot of it has also been, you know, the fact that you don't get more information before you click through. So, you know, like with the new App Store design that they tested, you could check out more of the app before they click through, right? So I'd imagine yeah, that our, our spend on ads would be better in the new design because people don't have to click through just to look at what the app does. That's yeah, true. Does. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah. You got any exciting plans for the rest of the week then? I am like really working hard on Translate CI. So I really want to get the paddle stuff done. I've got to finish up the Laravel package that sort of pulls the translation strings out and transmits them to me. Yeah. So that's the one if you didn't connect it to your Git repo, you can use the Laravel package. And then... It's ready. And God, I, I say that every week. <laughs> well, every other week now. But <laughs> so hopefully in two weeks, I will be testing this with a beta user or two. I think, okay. it's, I think it's really there. Yeah. Yeah. One step at a time, right? You've had a busy sort of six months as well. 
that's kind of been the problem. Yeah, I feel like I probably would have had this out three or four months ago if yeah. uh, not for everything else going on. But starting to calm down a little. Yeah, cool. Now I'm just trying to get my motivation back. I think is my big. You know, I feel in the same. I haven't delivered as much in the last six months as I would have normally, and I think that is because you know I haven't gone on a vacation to Mexico, lying. Oh, I know. And <laughs> on the beach for a week, I would love to do that. It's um, so helpful. It really is. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and so I think I've sort of been trying to steal half days here and there, and then you just you know a half day away all the time, or you know more often than I normally would, just means that you just don't get as much done. Yeah, it's like nice in the moment, but doesn't really like recharge you when you get back. Kind no, of like exactly. Where you were. Yeah, so you don't get fully unplugged. So I'm trying to work on my motivation. That's my goal for the next few months. I think. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you get to take a trip soon. Yeah. And we're sort of starting to look at stuff for the summer. You know, things are opening up a little bit more over here. And, you know, you can get flights as long as you get tested before you go. And before you come home, you can sort of uh, take off. So we're looking yeah, at renting so- a house in, in Mallorca or something. Oh, uh, nice. Spanish island. And yeah, it should be nice. And just the sun's out now. So we can start having people over or being outside together, right? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I saw the EU is either open or about to open for Americans. So hopefully. Okay. And get over yeah. there this summer. Yeah, nice. Yeah, my vaccination shot set for June at the moment. So, oh, nice. Yeah, and then my wife is in July. She's younger than me, so she's ah. in a batch. <laughs> um, but I saw before um, we started recording here that you asked, "Hey, what should we talk about on Twitter?" And Dylan asked, "What's uh, he wants to hear our scariest bug stories?" <laughs> Do you have any uh, thing from the top of your head? Uh, oh Brad? man. You know, the only thing that really comes to mind is, I mean, scariest bug. It's usually, it's not been an actual bug, but I've gotten a few emails over the years of like, your app completely broke my store. It's dead now, like whatever. And that's always like this scary moment where you're just like, oh God, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's almost fear of the unknown sometimes, right? Yeah, and thankfully, you know, it's never been a thing remotely related to the app, but like it's still, you know, yeah. Totally terrifying when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I'm trying to think of a specific uh, case. I think the one with which wasn't a bug at all, the one from Shopify where they sort of shut down all the emails for a week, that was probably the scariest sort of moment, which turned out to not be a bug on my side at all. It was just unrelated. So I think that was probably the scariest one. But I guess it's always scary whenever I, you know, deploy something and all of a sudden I start receiving like a hundred emails from right. my uh, logging service or something saying <laughs> app crashed or, you know, whatever. Luckily, it's super fast to just roll back to the last version on Heroku. You just sort of type one command and you're back to a, a good state. Do you like how we both answered that? They're like developers like, yeah, oh yeah, no, my code's perfect, but these other people messed up and that was scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just trying to think what the... Yeah, yeah. I don't have any other great ones because, you know, I've always been really careful about what permission I get to people's stores as well. So I don't get myself into those situations. Yeah, yeah. for sure. There was like, a, there was a point like when I, I kind of just cowboyed everything like for the first six months or so and just yeah. no staging server, that kind of stuff, tested as best I can. And then it kind of came to the point where I realized, like, oh, people are actually like using this, relying on it. Like I'm actually starting to see some real money for it. I need to like, Sure of those processes and yeah. did pretty quick. Yeah, do good backups and stuff. Yeah. I remember actually um, in the terminal running, you can go through your terminal history by like, you know, starting to type something and then pushing upwards or whatever. And you, mm-hmm. you sort of scroll through your terminal history. And I remember executing a, like a 
a rake, drop DB, you know, like to basically reset this database, which you do on, on development. But I'd forgotten that I had Heroku run in front oh, of the yeah. command, which is like, Heroku, <laughs> do this on my right. production app. And luckily you can do like a control C sort of thing to shut it down before it starts spinning up the dyno <laughs> to actually so execute that. But that was probably one of the scariest moments. I did this thing a while ago because like sometimes I would be in the database on the command line on my dev machine and then be on production almost like I have it set now to have a red background to the terminal if I'm on production. Ah, uh, that's smart. Yeah, that was super helpful. So now I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, yeah. I have to look into that. <laughs> yeah, luckily, I've got better processes now as well. So hopefully, yeah, we don't get into those situations where we delete a customer database or something. <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah, nice. I'm not sure if you've got anything else, but uh, otherwise we can leave it there. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. Oh, nice. I'm going to get back to, um, it's like 20 minutes and then Eurovision. And for Eurovision at my house, my wife and kids love it, which I don't know if you know what Eurovision is, but it's like the worst song contest in the world. Ah, so it's like American Idol version. Yeah, except it's like each country in Europe comes with their own song and then each country sort of votes from a group of songs in their own country, which one should go further, right? Um, And it is kind of cool because it's, you know, super open, you know, anybody's welcome, but you just, it's it's generally not great music. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like a huge party and and everyone's happy and and my family loves it. So it's a bit of an event. I know there's a Will Ferrell movie based on Eurovision, but I haven't watched yet because it's it's weirdly like three hours long, but I keep seeing it on Netflix. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. But check um, it out. Yeah, so it's like Christmas Eve here. (laughs) I'll get off the mic and then get back to the family. But uh, it's good good chatting as always. All right, I'll talk to you soon then. Yeah, cheers, mate. Bye.